0: Notre Dame is a perfect 7-0 and ranked fourth in the country as they are off this week on the buy. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank, does matter. We're also presented by Orange Theory Fitness in Granger, voted the best one-hour full-body workout. I'm Angela de Carlo. The Irish will play four of their last five games away from Notre Dame Stadium starting next Saturday when they battle annual opponent Navy. That contest will be played in San Diego. Notre Dame survived a major scare last Saturday when they rallied in the fourth quarter to beat Pitt 19-14. After trailing for a total of just two minutes in the first six games of the season, the Irish trailed the entire way until they pulled out the win to improve to 7-0. and It wasn't pretty. But at this time of the year, the win is all that matters, say linebackers Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney and Irish football coach Brian Kelly. You got
1: a win to keep the dream alive. We knew that Um, coming down the stretch. We knew our defense had to make some stops to give our offense the opportunity to get going. Uh, To get a win there at the end, uh, it felt good. We're happy to be at this point, but we know we got a lot more to do, you know, and and we're very hungry. You know, we still have more in the tank and we have more we want to do and show the world, you know, so we want to get this break, you know, and, and, and recover, and we're going to come back. We're going to work harder and, and do the things we need to do necessary to win.
2: I think our guys learned a lot, hanging in there and having patience, and uh, finding ways to overcome some adversity. Very, you know, very rarely to give up a kickoff return for a touchdown, throw a pick, you know, do some of the things we did. Still, you know, find a way to win the football game. So. Um, a lot of good things that we can take from it you know we obviously can't play like this week in and week out and 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 feel like we're gonna win every game we play but you're gonna have some of these and you gotta you gotta grow from them and I'm uh, I really like our football team. They'll grow from this. They'll learn from it and we'll be better because of it.
0: That was Notre Dame linebackers Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney and Irish coach Brian Kelly reflecting on last week's 19 14 win over Pitt. The Irish won the game thanks to an Ian Book 35 yard touchdown pass to Miles Boykin with 543 left in the game. It felt like an off game for Book, but in the end, he still completed 81% of his passes, 26 of 32 for 264 yards. He did have two interceptions but also two touchdowns and the TD with just under six to play was the deciding factor after the game books spoke about the team not overreacting when they were down late uh, we had
3: to stay calm and uh you know these are the football uh, wins and win and these football games happen and um you know there's no point in freaking out when you have some time on the clock and uh we've been there before you know so you know I don't think we just, we didn't want to make it a bigger deal than it was. So um, I'm proud of the guys for, um, you know, remaining calm and being able to go, go down and win the game.
0: That's Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book on the Irish staying calm and rallying to victory over Pitt last Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. So, do you want to have dinner on the 50-yard line at Notre Dame Stadium or host a private reception overlooking campus? It's a golden opportunity, all brought to you by Venue ND. To learn more, visit venue.nd.edu or call 574 631 1,400. With Notre Dame on the bye today, no Irish home game, but Notre Dame Stadium will be rocking tonight with the first ever concert in the house that Rockne built as Garth Brooks will perform at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm looking forward to it. We have a group of eight going. First time I get to experience a Notre Dame tailgate. As it turns out, the Irish have just one more game left at Notre Dame Stadium this season. With five games to go, Notre Dame remains undefeated on the season, and that's something Irish coach Brian Kelly is not taking for granted
2: oh super excited um you know seven and zero with a very difficult schedule um you know beat uh three top 25 teams at the time um you know I, I just really proud of our football team in terms of where we are and we know that we can continue to get better so um yeah, if you ask me uh, 7-0 and at the bye week, I'd, I'd be uh, extremely pleased and happy, and um, I'm certainly that uh, as I sit here right now.
0: What's your biggest concern about your football team heading into the stretch run
2: where four of your last five games are on the road? I don't know that I have a particular concern as much as I know that, you know, this is a you know, each week is going to be uh, a great challenge. And I like our football team. Uh, I think that we've got the parts to, uh, and the pieces, if all working together um, uh, is capable of, of winning each and every week, but it's gonna be a great challenge. So I, I don't know that I have a particular concern as much as, you know, look, it, 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 you gotta stay healthy, right? You know, you you, you gotta continue to grow and, and do all those things. but. Um, just keep playing, uh, keep preparing the right way, Have a great attitude and let's go let's go see how this thing plays out. The stretch
0: run may not be as daunting as it seemed before the season, but hey, four of your last five games on the road is not easy. Notre Dame will take on Navy in San Diego next Saturday, then return to the Midwest to face Northwestern in Chicago on November 3rd. On November 10th is the Notre Dame Stadium finale, a night game against Florida State. November 17th, Notre Dame takes on my alma mater, Syracuse, at Yankee Stadium in the Shamrock Series game. And the regular season finale on the road at USC two days after Thanksgiving. Be sure to follow Redeemer Radio on social media. On Twitter, it's at 957Sports. And on Facebook, search for Redeemer Radio 95.7 Sports. We have the latest on not only Notre Dame, but the high school front, as well, each and every day. And with the Irish on the by this week, we're taking some time to look back at our favorite interviews so far this season on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Coming up on the show, we will replay our interview with Mike and Christine Golick, plus our excellent Focus on Faith segment with Nick Wisher. And when we return, our conversation with national champion Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw. Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this.
4: Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes, Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, every Wednesday at noon for his weekly show, Truth and Charity. On each episode, he joins host Kyle Hyman to discuss key issues facing Catholics in the diocese and beyond. Then he answers questions submitted by listeners. If you would like to submit a question, go to redeemerradio.com/askbishop. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
0: Auto loans from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can save you money. Why? Because the whole purpose of a credit union is to save you money. Catholic-inspired credit unions put faith into action. Pope John Paul II called them one of the church's most significant concrete achievements. Now it's easier than ever to be a part of this. All you need is a phone. You already share our values, why not share in our savings? For a better auto loan or refinance from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union,
2: call 844-230-6611.
0: for Irish Sports Saturdays is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. When you open an Elevate membership at Notre Dame FCU, you'll get $50 in your new account and another $50 for an eligible nonprofit like a Catholic high school, a parish, or even Redeemer Radio. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Angela DiCarlo with Notre Dame on the Buy today. We're looking back at some of our favorite interviews so far this season on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Right now, we're going to play you the interview Kevin Downey and myself did with national champion Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw from last month. Coach, uh, if if anyone's ever celebrated a championship better than you have, I'd like to meet them. Uh, you've soaked in every single moment of the last five months, haven't you?
5: I really have, and I am enjoying myself immensely. We've been treated to so many wonderful things. Uh, I've just I've enjoyed it, but I have to say, going to Wrigley was at the top of the list. That was amazing. Sing and take me out to the ball game. A little off key, but we, we got through it with all the right words.
6: Just like the Harry Carey, right? (laughs) Well, that was always off
1: key too,
5: right? Uh, We're we're just we're having a blast. I mean, it was such an amazing season, incredibly hard, incredibly difficult during the year to go through all of that, but to come out at the end as a champion, and just to watch the girls, the reaction, their faces, the joy, the celebrations, uh, I just don't want it to end.
6: Yeah, and with that you know every season has some adversity but your uh, injuries and and just how your team came together and new people would step up can you take us into that a little bit because it was amazing
5: it really was kevin i'll tell you it it was Every single day, you wondered what was going to go wrong. I, I think I don't know if that's a Catholic school thing. You're, you're always waiting <laughs> for the other shoe to drop. You know, it can't be good all the time. Um, and you know, you have one injury you have Brianna Turner not coming back, and then so you go, oh, okay, we, we'll we'll be okay. And then arguably
0: your best player,
5: definitely the best player. And then you uh, you watch Michaela Vaughn go down, who was Brianna Turner in training and doing all the things that Bri could do. Then you get Jessica Shepard back, so you think, okay, we'll you know we trade one for one. But then, I mean, then the just the wheels started falling off, and when you lose your best defensive player, the backup point guard, and then you lose Lily Thompson, who was going to be the point. She was the starting point guard. Um, it, it's such an important position. But it wasn't just that. It was Catherine Westbill getting elbowed in the eye and she can't play because she can't see. And Jackie Young breaking her nose. And somebody gets, you know, another ankle. Just some small injuries. But somehow we weathered it all. Did you have to suit up in practice? <laughs> My whole staff did, but not me. I was definitely in the reserve line.
0: Uh, something that's undervalued in your practices that don't get talked about much is your practice squad. Um, it's it's a group of guys that comes in and, and gives you guys some can you talk about them and how important they are especially last year when obviously you could not field uh, another another Team to go against your starting five.
5: It's they are amazing what they do, what they put up with, and we cannot give them really anything. You can't give them any money, you can't give them food. You c- you really can't hardly give them anything except a pair of sneakers and some practice clothes. So they are so important to us because they're first of all they're really talented. They beat us pretty much every day. Uh, we've got some big guys, and depending on who we're playing, uh, they have a, the scouting team. You know, today you're left-handed. Today you're only shooting threes, and you know you're in the post. <laughs> but you got to dribble every time you get it. And these guys are great. They do whatever we ask of them. And we had about 17 last year. I and mean, wow. we had a huge group. Of course, they couldn't all come every day with their class schedules. But they'd come at 7 a.m. practices, 6 a.m. practices. They'd come on Saturdays before a football game. That was the toughest one to get them out on Saturdays <laughs> before the game. Uh, but I'll tell you, I don't know what we do without them. And when we didn't have them over Christmas, because, again, we're not allowed to pay for them to stay, we, we really – that's that's when we – we kind of went downhill. You know, we had that huge loss at Louisville. We, we were basically having a walk-through practice, suited up our manager, you know, just to <laughs> Neil Ivy's out there playing, and uh, it, it was it was really rough for a while.
0: I mean, you mentioned the Louisville loss, and I, I think the turning point of the season we'll all agree is that Tennessee game when you guys were down big at home, and then all of a sudden you come back. But if I told you at the Louisville loss that you guys were going to win the national championship, <laughs> I, I think... Crazy would be beyond... That would be an understatement, probably. You were probably just hoping to make it to the Sweet 16 at that point.
5: I, I, I thought we are in the NIT at that point. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, now, sure. we, now yeah. we're getting
0: crazy. But.
5: <laughs> we did. You know, I kept thinking, you know, we haven't beaten a good team since we're down to seven players. Yeah. And I know how the NCAA Tournament Committee works. You, you've got to have the big wins. You've got to have your resume. And we really, we didn't beat any ranked teams. All of our good wins were with a different team. So we were waiting for, for that resume to start building up. And uh, I mean, I'm definitely the catastrophe around every corner I mean I am uh, I'm in the Lou Holt school of everybody can beat us and we're not very good today so it uh, it definitely I would have been shocked and you know I was that was the worst loss ever but we we've had some bad games during the season we were at Penn uh, got back home to Philly all my friends and family are there and uh, we played awful and it was our second lowest point total of the season. And those people in the stands were quite surprised to see us win the national championship.
0: Notre Dame (laughs) women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw joining us here on Notre Dame FCU's Irish
6: Sports Saturdays. Muffin, I think one of the neatest things for me, uh, well, I guess two things. Number one, uh, as a coach, your longevity to be, you know, that was always one of my dreams, which ironically I'm not doing now, but (laughs) to go to one school, stay for a long time, you know, have a lot of success and really have those deep roots. Um, But Obviously, Notre Dame's a special place. Um, What do you attribute, I guess, your longevity and, and obviously now your love for Notre Dame and the community?
5: You know, I'm just so blessed uh, to be able to be at Notre Dame. Uh, I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. And I live in my dream every single day. I still get excited walking across campus and seeing the Golden Dome. Um, you know, when the band comes marching through, that's it for me. I, I love the band. And I think it's it's unique now. I think you're going to see less and less of this with people staying at one place, even in a job. Uh, people just don't stay at the same job for a long time. But I've been fortunate to work with some tremendous leaders. With Father Jenkins came in with Father Malloy, uh, Jack Swarbon. Kevin White, Dick Rosenthal. There's been so many. I've I've had quite a few athletic directors, and uh, it's it's just something you have to kind of reinvent yourself. Though I mean, you can't be the same person you were when you started. When when Bobby Knight was the coach in Indiana that everybody looked at and respected. <laughs> Um, you know that's how every coach was back in the day, but this generation uh, you can't coach them that way. So I have to constantly reinvent myself.
0: Eight hundred eighty-eight career wins starting at Lehigh, and then uh, of course the eight hundredth win at Notre Dame happens to be the national championship. So how awesome is that? All right, let's let's go to Final Four weekend. Let's go to Columbus. Um, you're you're going up against UConn. And here we go again. The same old talk. Can you guys beat UConn? Can you beat UConn? And um, you knew it was an uphill battle. And it was during the game. And then all of a sudden, something clicked. What clicked?
5: You know, this this was a team of fighters. This is the first and only team I've ever had that really was comfortable coming from behind. You know, every team I've had, we get up a couple points with a few minutes left in the game. We were going to win. Give the ball to Lindsey Allen. The, the game was over. So for us coming from behind became, that's the thing with this team. Uh, they couldn't handle a lead. You know, we, we almost played better when we were behind. <laughs> I didn't really care for that
6: myself. <laughs> a little nerve-wracking
5: on that the coach. That was not how I wanted it to go. But, uh, but that was the good thing. So we came from behind in so many other games that, you know, when you get behind, you just think, hey, you know, that's nothing. We know we can come back. So we go into the Connecticut game and actually we started out really well. We're winning in the first quarter and I'm thinking, dang, this is it. We are we are looking good. Because, you know, we've only beaten them in the semifinal final you know we've never beaten him in a final so that was that was definitely on our side and um, you know we had our normal second quarter breakdown and got got behind came back up five with 22 seconds to go like the game is over that game was over and um, just somehow we we gave it away, gave up a three, gave up a two, and in 22 seconds, not only did they tie the game, they had a chance to win it. So demoralizing at that timeout between the overtime and regular.
0: Did you think that was it?
5: You know, I I, I kind of felt like I cannot give in and, and strangle them right now. <laughs> I've got I can't. I've got to wait till after the game to just tell them how bad that was so you know we just we moved on and that was important because at that point you're like we're in the final four how the heck did we even get here yeah. we, you know we're we're overachieving to get here so you know let's let's just leave it all out there and uh Jackie Young boy she just she took over the game and that was amazing to set up the heroics for the end of the game
0: and we haven't mentioned we've been talking to you for seven eight minutes now and we have not mentioned the name Arike Agumwale <laughs> uh how ridiculous. Let, we'll, we'll talk about the national championship in a second, but how ridiculous was just the shot to win it against UConn?
5: You know, she is fearless. You know, you've seen her play so many times. Um, she doesn't let anything bother her. doesn't matter if she's missed the last 10 shots, and I think she, she might have in that game. Uh, she was really not playing that well, not shooting that well. But at the end of regulation, I looked at her face in the huddle and she was mad that she didn't have the ball in her hands so i knew at that moment i was going to give it to her if we had a chance at the end of the game so you know we had a lot of time 17 seconds she gets the ball we're trying to run pick and roll she did it executed perfectly and what kid doesn't dream about that every day outside shooting hoops and just thinking you're going to have a game-winning shot but on that stage what a remarkable shot
0: and then she doesn't do it once. Yeah. She does it twice, and she does it to win the national championship two days later against Mississippi State with .1 seconds left, hitting a three at the buzzer. I mean, this she will go down as one of the most clutch players in the history of sports, really. Yeah.
5: yeah. I mean, it's never been done before, and certainly not twice on yeah. that stage, <laughs> uh, to see that much excitement. And I know this Final Four definitely is going to go down as the best ever, and I know we're all biased. We are not biased at all. But But
0: still, it was. It It was. was. How can you? That was unbelievable. Yeah.
5: There's so many people across the country who aren't even huge women's basketball fans just thought it was amazing to see the end of that game. And and to see somebody do it twice, I mean, uh, just, it's astounding.
6: Well, and again, you talked about it, it's a year, year-round process, so mm-hmm. I'm always interested in the part I loved about coaching was the being in charge of the practices. So is there things that you did, you know, you mentioned the break, like things that I never thought of where your practice players weren't there. What kinds of things do you do to vary uh, practice, maybe to keep it fresh or to uh, change it up, either dial up the intensity or kind of scale it back so that the, the girls are fresh and ready to play?
5: I have to say I love practice. That yep. is absolutely my favorite part of coaching. I I just I love it. I love getting into the gym every day with them. I love just drawing stuff up on a napkin and you know watching something on TV and jotting it down and then trying to put it in and yep. uh, you know hoping that it comes to fruition. It usually doesn't, but it, I like to mix things up. I like to keep it fresh. Um, I'm very efficient. We don't practice very long. We practice about an hour and a half. Uh, we're intense. We get things done. Everything has a goal. There's time on the clock or there's a score. Mm-hmm. Um, everything. Thing is competitive. Um, we try to mix up the team so it's even more competitive, um, and, and it is. We, we you know we break things down. We work on exactly what we're going to do in a game. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really big on any drill that we do. It's got to be this is how it's going to be in the game and there's a lot of times we'll watch film and say we we just did that defensive drill at practice (laughs) and you know we didn't do it exactly the same way um but it's yeah it's it's definitely a challenge i think these kids they, they make a lot of sacrifices it's a it's a hard work for them
6: well and you said too changing over time so like this generation uh they're they're really in tune with technology and you have to be hate to say it, but entertaining. You have to hold their attention some way, so I'm sure that, um, you know, being able to touch them and to reach them and to teach them when they are uh, ready to learn is really huge.
5: You know, this generation needs the buy-in. They need to have an opinion. This is not, this is what we're going to do, and I you know, mm-hmm. this because I said so. This is a generation that wants to know why. They want to know why it's important and I give them a lot of room to discuss things. I value their opinion. We've collaborate tremendously with them in what we're doing, especially the older ones. Mm-hmm. Um definitely not the freshmen as much, but we talk about here's what here's what we're doing in the scouting report We got a two three, we have a one two two, we have a one three one, we got a triangle and two, we got the box What did you feel like today, you guys? What did you really like? So when they say I like the two three zone and then we play the two three zone, you they know it was it. kind of their idea yeah. and you know they make the team rules they set the team goals uh, there's there's just a lot of back and forth my, my former players will come back and say first of all you're so soft because they're not <laughs> we never to did run. it that way <laughs> <laughs> and wait a minute you're listening to their opinion you know um, so I think I think it's great though I, I love the way this generation thinks but it's uh, it's got to be important to them and
0: finally uh, Kat Westfeld is gone but you get Brianna Turner back and Michaela Vaughn back um uh this team could be better than last year's
5: you know they they could be but I, I have to say all of the fans out there know how much we're going to miss Catherine and yes. Coco those two were such important players for us you got that player that's the glue of the team you, you can't win without the guy that's doing the little things and not worrying about scoring um, Brianna Turner a great scorer she's going to give us so much um, but who's going to be that facilitator that's going to keep us together
0: coach thank you very much for joining us and uh, best of luck all season and Enjoy the celebration. Longer, <laughs> Thanks, <right>? Angelo. <laughs> that was Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw. Practice for the upcoming season for the Irish is now underway. They begin their defense of the national title on Friday, November 9th, when they host Harvard at 4 p.m. at Purcell Pavilion. Harvard's captain is South Bend native and St. Joe High alum, Madeline Rasner, So that will be a great homecoming for her. Up next on this best of edition of Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays, my focus on faith interview with Notre Dame tight end Nick Wisher. This is a conversation you won't want to miss.
2: Don't go away. Nicholas, Palmer, Player, each a winner of the prestigious U.S. Senior Open. Who will be next? Tom Watson, Fred Couples, Davis Love III, Bernhard Langer? For the first time ever, the U.S. Senior Open Championship will be played on a college campus but not just any college campus, the University of Notre Dame and the Warren Golf Course June 24th through 30th, 2019. Don't miss your chance to witness history. Ticket packages are now available. Purchase your tickets today at 2019USSeniorOpen.com.
0: Nicholas J. Salon and Spa on Eddy Street Commons, the ultimate salon experience. Whether it's a basic men's haircut, an everyday women's cut in color, a spa afternoon, or your wedding day. Nicholas J. Salon believes total beauty is within us all. Call Nicholas J. and Aveda Concept Salon today at 574 233 or visit them on Eddy Street Commons. If you like all things Notre Dame, stick around for Church Life Today coming up right after us. Lenny DiLorenzo of the McGrath Institute for Church Life is your host. That's next here on Redeemer Radio with replays tonight at 6 and Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Welcome back to this bi-week edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, presented by Orange Theory Fitness. With the Irish off today, we're playing back some of our favorite interviews from this season. One segment we're really proud of is our Focus on Faith interviews each and every Saturday. Right now, we want to play back my conversation with Notre Dame tight end Nick Wisher. Nick's brother Andrew died of cancer six years ago, and through faith, the family has started a foundation in Andrew's honor that is helping so many families battle cancer here's my focus on faith conversation with nick wisher starting with his decision to return to notre dame for a fifth season despite the fact that he would have a reduced role you have your degree uh, from mendoza you came into the year maybe the third fourth tight end on the depth chart so you obviously could have gone somewhere else uh, you know had more of an opportunity
3: been a starter at a lot of places what made you decide nope I'm staying for my fifth year at Dame. Yeah, it's a little bit of a combination of everything. Um, so on the football side, I, I sat down with Coach Kelly and Coach Long and um, just kind of asked them what do, they, what do they see my role as. And first and foremost, they said, as, as a leader of this team. And I thought that was you know, pretty awesome to hear. And on the football side of things, obviously, um, they, they see me as a playmaker and a guy that can make plays when called upon. So uh, just hearing those two things was the main reason I came back football-wise. And um, just secondly, just I, I didn't want to leave these guys. Um, like I just said, they're, they're some of my best friends in this team. And um, just everybody in this program is just so nice and um, just great people. And that's something I didn't want to leave. I know you
0: grew up in a very proud Catholic family in in Chicago. Just kind of take us through
3: how maybe faith played a role in your life as you grew up and how important it was for you. Yeah, absolutely. That was... um you know, it was all, faith and family were the two biggest things for me growing up and I uh, went to Catholic grade school, um, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade and then went to a Catholic high school. So, um, this faith has always has played a huge role in my life and um, especially, you know, when my brother passed, that was, um, you know, kind of the, the one thing that got me and my family through it was our faith. So, um, you know, God has played a huge role in my life and I see his, uh, see his blessings daily. You mentioned the passing your brother Andrew back in twenty
0: twelve you were just in high school at the time um how can you put into words how difficult that was to go through, especially as someone that was you know you lose a sibling that
3: that would never be easy but to do it in high school how- how tough were those times? yeah, they were obviously extremely tough you know we had um had a lot of good things going on at the time, too, obviously being recruited and, and things like that and, you know, playing high school football. And, um, but to lose my brother and my best friend was obviously something that um, it was just so extremely hard for, for me and my family. And, uh, but luckily, you know, we had great friends and family and a, a great support system on the south side of Chicago that, um, you know, kind of helped, definitely helped us through it and um, really drew us, drew us closer to God as a family, for sure. How inspiring was your brother's fight to you and and your family? Oh, it was, um, you know it's that's even hard to put into words too how inspiring it was and you can see it through um, you know all the work that the the foundation and all, you know all the people that are being helped through it. Um, his uh, his you know he put up a, an unbelievable fight. He, he got in remission about a year later after he was diagnosed and um, you know came back. But um, just the most amazing thing I think was. Um, when people came to see him, he was always asking about them. He wanted to know how they were doing. You know, a kid who could barely walk and eat at this time, and uh, he he wanted to know about them because he actually cared. And that was something that you know is I'll always remember to this day. And then the other thing was um, he was you know he was about two weeks away from passing, and I uh, was talking to the hospice nurse about different hospice care options, and he looked her in the eye and said, "I'm not done fighting." Um, and so that that kind of um, just unbelievable attitude of you know and optimism is is something that I'll carry to this day he dies and that night you go and play in a high school football game for
0: Marist how hard was that and how important was it you obviously had a great
3: game you had 14 catches in the game um what was that night like yeah it was obviously extremely hard and I think um I think I, I did it mostly for my family just to kind of get them out of the house you know and um just get them away from um, away from things for a little bit and uh, but yeah it was obviously a a very hard hard time for me and um, but we so we played Bennett Academy and you know Bennett was uh, awesome with the whole thing you know they had a moment of silence for my brother beforehand and were very gracious to my family and parents in the stands so um, it was just you know it's something I felt like I needed to do and I felt like Andrew would have wanted me to do. This is Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports
0: Saturdays. Notre Dame tight end Nick Wisher is our guest on our Focus on Faith segment. Uh, your family started the Andrew Wisher Foundation, and kind of touched on that, but um, Wish Fest as well. well. We'll get to that in a second, as one of the big music festivals in Chicago. But let's start with the foundation.
3: Tell us why you guys decided to start it, and who you guys benefit through the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before Andrew passed, he kind of brought um, you know my brother and I and, and my parents together, and said uh, the one the one thing I want to come out of this. Is to pay forward the kindness and generosity that he was shown. So, um, you know, throughout his battle, there were so many different people, like I mentioned, in different support system coming together, just you know, doing little things for us and um, just making our lives a little bit easier. And um, that's what Andrew Andrew wanted wants other families to feel that kind of love and support. So, uh, with that, my older brother Danny had this idea of having the Andrew Wisher Foundation, and um, the Andrew Wisher Foundation raises money and and gives it directly to family and adolescents who need it. So, um, you know, if that I think the age group is 0 to 26 and um, it's, it, it's just been so great to be able to see all the families that have, that have been helped and uh, to go to these hospitals and see, you know, just, um, just the suffering that they're going through, but then to, to be able to put a smile on their face, even if for, for a second, is, uh, it's just been so rewarding. T- to date, 150 families been burdened by
0: cancer that you guys have helped, granting out over $800,000 in financial assistance.
3: When I say those numbers, that's staggering for a foundation that's been around for six years. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think that's what um, makes it so special is that you know my older brother Danny kind of that, that heads up it. He uh, he has even greater visions. You know, he wants to make this one of the biggest charities in the country. So um, it's it's just been awesome. Like I said, to just see the all the families we've helped and, um, the, the relationships you build through this is, has been pretty special to see too. And I know wish fest is one of the big reasons you guys have
0: been able to raise this funds, a huge music festival. Uh, I think you guys call it what the biggest party in the South side, yep, absolutely. Uh, uh, coming up on December 1st, just, uh, you, have had third
3: eye blind OAR there. Uh, how, how has this grown so big, so fast? Tell us about it. Yeah, it's, uh, so that's another just amazing th- vision Danny had. He, um, he had this vision of wish fest to, um, you know, so we, we were thinking about it. You know, fundraisers on the south side, there's, um, you know, softball tournaments, things like that, golf tournaments. Uh, we wanted to make it a little bit different. And um, just with that, we had the, the vision of Wish Fest. And uh, we've grown a lot from our first year from having it the the baseball stadium on the south side. And um, so now we're at Bourbon Street. But it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible time. Um, we invite every, everybody to come out December 1st, basically just an all day music festival um, and uh, great food and, and drinks and all that and, and fun times. And this year we have Disney patch, um, headlining, and, and Easton and Corbin, uh, country guy too. So uh, a little bit for everybody. It's, it's sure to be a great time. Notre Dame tight end Nick
0: Wisher is our guest on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Sometimes, uh, I guess, a, the death, death of a loved one can have someone question their faith. I feel
3: like it's brought you and your family closer to your faith yeah absolutely and um you definitely uh ask ask why you know why our family why Andrew why such a good kid but um you just kind of look at it that that God was ready to you know to take Andrew up to heaven and and have Andrew look out after other people and um you know I spent a lot of time with our our priest at St. Damon in in Oak Forest and um you know just to to be surrounded by all the love and support You, you see God working in your life even even through something like that so um it's uh it's special to see you know even through the the foundation and all the work you're doing you can see um kind of got got at work through all of it In addition to
0: all the work you do with the foundation, you're still a huge community service guy around here through the football program. Why? Why do you devote all that time still when you are obviously giving back quite a bit already? Uh, What makes you decide? Well, I'm still going to devote even more
3: time here locally. Yeah, I think it's just the way I I was raised, honestly. And you know, when you see people in need, to 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 try to go and help them. And uh, you know, we're given such a a great platform here at Notre Dame, and um, you know, people see you and it it puts a smile on their face. and I think that's something that, um, you know, I may not have forever. So I wanted to take advantage of it the time I'm here at Notre Dame and um, just be able to give back to the local community has been an awesome experience. And just to build relationships with the people that, you know, make this place so special. All this has led to you being named to the All
0: State Good Works team, which celebrates student athletes for their extraordinary commitment to making a lasting impact off the field. Uh, You certainly have done that, and I'm sure you're very proud to make that 22 member squad with only 22 guys across the country, and you're on it. That's got to be an incredible honor.
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, especially just reading through the bios of all the other guys on the team, and, um, you know, there's so many. people out there and players out there that have done so much for their communities and to be recognized on a team like that is is, is really really cool and um just, again, just glad, thankful for the, for the Notre Dame platform and, um, for the Notre Dame, you know, media being able to help us out with, uh, you know, getting, getting the message out there it has been unbelievable. You've accomplished so much at such a young age already. Where, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Um, that's a great, that's a great question. Hopefully I'll still be playing in the NFL. So that's my, my main goal. And, um, you know, keep going with that and just growing the foundation as, you know, as big and big and strong as we can. And, um, you know, if, if that doesn't work out, hopefully I'm, I'm doing something in the finance world. Uh, that's kind of, that's what my degree is. in, And, and um, just whatever it is, I just hope to be making an impact on the, the lives around me.
0: That was our focus on faith interview with Notre Dame tight end, Nick Wisher. Please subscribe to our podcast and you can listen back to our other great focus on faith interviews. Just search Irish sports Saturdays, wherever you listen to podcasts up next on this bi-week edition of Notre Dame FCU's Irish sports Saturdays, a conversation with the first couple of Notre Dame football, Mike and Christine Gold.
1: We know you like football. Hey, football fans, this is Steve Pizarro
0: from Crescent Everett Real Estate. If you're considering buying or selling your home, then listen up and visit SouthBendSteve.com. Just like in football, the excellence is in the execution. So forget the stress of buying or selling a home and call me today at 574-229-4040. That's 229-4040. So remember, Steve Pizarro, your Michigan real estate expert, and visit
6: SouthBendSteve.com.
0: If you're in the market to buy or sell a home, I can't recommend real estate agent Steve Bizarro of Cressy and Everett enough. A friend recommended Steve to us, and he was so easy to work with and found us a home my wife and I love. So take my recommendation and contact Steve Bizarro of Cressy and Everett Real Estate at 574-229-4040. You can also learn more about Steve by visiting SouthBendsteve.com. With Notre Dame off today, we are playing back some of our biggest interviews on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. A few weeks ago, the first couple of Notre Dame football, Mike and Christine Golick, joined Kevin Downey and I in studio to chat about their family's incredible history under the Golden Dome. I call you the first couple because, quite frankly, I want to know who related to the Golics has not gone to Notre Dame. Name (laughs) me somebody that has not gone to Notre Dame. Well,
1: Bob and Greg's kids okay yeah there go. yeah they're kids they they uh they have what happened to them I, I don't know they're the black sheep of the family so obviously we we don't we don't we
4: personally responsible for those kids so we I'm don't gonna,
1: communicate with yeah. them <laughs> you know, we kind of Shut them no 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 obviously we get along with them while well, they're they're doing great but yeah it's uh we, you guys we, were obviously bad uncles and aunts
0: yeah but we, we, have didn't, that we didn't do, the, do the right we were thing really there
4: focused on like brainwashing our kids and everybody else was kind of in it, it, it
1: is kind of wild to think about it the the lineage of of that have gone here it is you know I, we don't think a lot of it in the way of you know the first family of, but start thinking about it i mean since 1975 when my brother bob first stepped on this campus it's we've certainly been here our fair share i mean you your brother
0: bob your brother greg right and Then all three of your kids. Right. uh, Obviously, Mike Jr. and Jake played football, and then Sydney uh, swam. Swimmer.
1: And then your daughter in law went to Notre Dame, too. Yes. Yep. She she ran, she transferred in here and ran track. So uh, we were pretty wild. That's right. And
4: I represented St. Mary's, and my sister went to St. Mary's. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. it gets even crazier yeah, when we is. go that
1: way. Yeah, so we're pretty much in. If you're going to be in this family, yeah. then we know the course you're going to. Not that we brainwash them or anything, but we do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you guys are you're here in South Bend on this weekend, uh, your kids don't go here anymore, um, and yet you're here. Uh, obviously, that love for Notre Dame has has continued, and I imagine you guys will be growing old here for quite a while. We will.
4: Actually, we bought a house on Notre Dame Avenue. And uh, the thought process behind it was that everybody in our family loves coming here. So as they spread out and go across the country, we want a, a central place for all of us to come and a place that we all love. So it's going to be here. That part
1: worked out well. We had a couple of condos uh, at, in Irish Crossing and we were going to get one. And then the the kids had squatting rights to it. Mike and his fellow freshmen, <laughs> the Dane Chris of the world and the Kyle Rudolphs and the Braxton Kays. All of a sudden they were in there. We're like okay Okay. (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna go across the pond here we'll get another one don't come in ours over here you guys can have yours and and we ended up selling them both and like chris said to get that house i mean it's just she's always always loved notre dame Ave and wanted to get a house on there and it worked out so that that house will be in, in this family a long long time well, what a great
6: chance to have a place for everybody to come, you know, as, as the years go by and to have grandkids come and everyone at Notre Dame and, well, South Bend and Notre Dame campus is so special.
1: Well, and, and South Bend is built up so nice around here. They've really done a great job. And and th- this was great, you know, this year and the fact that there were, what, four of the first five games or whatever were yep. home games home or games, three. Yep. So, Chris has been here uh, since, since September Michigan. 1st, the Michigan <laughs> game, with the two pugs.
4: Yeah. We, we fenced in the
1: backyard. She brought the
4: pugs. pugs
1: yeah. So, so Basically, she just
0: made an excuse to get away from you for, for a solid month. Shh, uh,
4: Angelo, shit <laughs> Don't
1: give away her secrets, all right? She said it was
0: for the dogs. I, I was looking some stuff up, and is this correct that you guys met your first day of freshman year?
4: We did. We did. We were walking to the freshman mixer from St. Mary's, a group of, of girls and I, and we walked past Dylan Hall, and they just happened to be walking out at the same time. Kind of merged and just started talking and you know, we're friends for three years yeah. before we started dating. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. It wasn't an immediate date.
1: Yeah, our, our groups hung out together, and we were we were friends, we would, which was very cool. That was actually yeah. kind of a neat way to go about it. And then uh, probably it started getting a little more serious, junior, kind of yeah. the end of junior, junior year, of and then we went our separate ways. You know, it's, But at that time, summer school, the players didn't come here. She lived in Chicago, which was close, but I was in Cleveland, and we still spent the summers. The football players weren't here at that point. That hadn't started yet. So then when I came back our senior year, we kind of – kind of hit it off and started dating uh, all the way to the point of when I got drafted by the Houston Oilers uh, in the 10th round, she was in the other room crying (laughs) because... She was in Chicago and I was going to be in Houston. I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. you. know, I think it's still going to work out okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's uh, it's worked out just fine. Uh, Mike and Christine Golick joining us live here on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. We are presented by Orange Theory Fitness, voted the best one-hour full-body workout in the country. Get the experience of a group workout while also getting personal attention from a great trainer if you need it. Orange Theory Fitness located at Heritage Square in Granger. Your first workout is free, and I, I know you guys are pretty big with the It's a
1: great, great workout. Our son, Jake, and Jenny, who ran track here, they own two of them in, okay. in the Boston area. One in South Boston and one in North. So, yeah. yeah I mean, we're, we're all in. She started doing these in in Arizona probably in 2011 or 12 right. and we loved it so I kept much. coming
4: home going, you guys have to do this. You have to do this. It's, and,
1: a, it's a great workout. I yeah, mean, it's fantastic. My, my wife's
0: done it for, I think, three, since they've opened, opened and yeah. here in Granger and she's been trying to get me to go. I went once a couple years ago and... I I thought I was still 17 and on the track team and it went a little too hard. And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. You learn
1: quickly where the, where the levels are. And
0: yeah. And now I've been going and it's been good. It's been good to help me get back in shape. Um, all right. Uh, so you guys meet and your friends, how, and then it takes a little bit before you start dating, but how critical was it that you guys were friends first? How, how much do you think that helped, um, kind of, Build this relationship from the ground up.
4: Well, it definitely helped, but there's a funny story. When we when we first met my roommate, who um, a- actually transferred out after her sophomore year, I said to her when I met him, I was one of those people. I said, "That's the guy I'm going to marry." And she's like, I said, we won't get to, and it was funny. I said to her, I, I don't think we'll get together for a while, but like towards the end of uh, school, we'll get together. And she transferred out, heard we were dating, called me like senior year. And she goes, I can't believe it because she remembered what I said. So <laughs> not going to lie. That scares me a little bit.
1: <laughs> after you meet someone and she says, I'm going to marry that guy. If, if I would have heard that at that point, I'd have been, oh, psycho. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks. Psycho. In a nice nice way, way, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I I obviously did not know she said that, but we got along well, and I got along real well with her with her family. so it just it was kind of a natural progression and it, it uh, it's worked
0: see yeah. we, we teach you we teach you new things about your own uh, marriage here uh, <laughs> yeah. AMCUS, our Saturdays uh, <laughs> so all, I mean I know Mike you went to Catholic high school yes I did Chris did you uh...
4: I did for two years yes. okay uh-huh. and then
0: all your kids end up going to Catholic, Catholic high school, school.
4: Mm-hmm. How, how important
0: was that Catholic education do you feel for for you guys and, and then for your kids as well, well
4: I mean it, it was twofold
1: for us where we were living uh, in in Connecticut. Um, there was obviously the, the the faith base of of a Catholic high school, and quite honestly, the diversity uh, as well of where this high school was a Catholic high school and the diversity because <clears throat> the public high schools in the area weren't. And we thought, you know,
4: and they're very good. They're very good public schools in Connecticut. So it was a conscious decision by us to send our kids to Catholic school. Like we we really wanted that element in their life of of um, you know kids coming from all over the, um, Connecticut from different backgrounds and whatnot, and you know brought to together by their faith that was really important to us to have that element in their life well and then also
6: with uh, Notre Dame and St. Mary's that to have that college uh, faith experience mm-hmm. too my wife went to Notre Dame and Notre Dame grad so she's you know a theology major really into obviously the benefits of that but for your kids um, what what was that faith-based I guess element for the, the college level because
1: that's... Well, what was interesting is, is we came at how we got here a little differently. I You know, my brother Bob had been here, mm-hmm. and, you know, and so I had been here since I was 11 years old and got to see everything up close while looking up to the Joe Montanas mm-hmm. of the world and Ross Browners and Willie Fries and like, wow. And then my brother Greg, who was a year ahead of me, went here. And then that's when I was getting recruited. And I saw these players now on equal footing. I said, these could be my peers. So I kind of grew into it, and so it was really a no-brainer for me because I had seen how The the sports side of it was, but also the academic side, the faith side of it as well. For Chris, you you never really there was never really another option for you, right?
4: It was funny. (laughs) My my um, I had two brothers who had uh, passed away, but they um, they went to Catholic high school in Chicago, St. Lawrence High School, Mm -hmm. and um, we were good friends with some brothers that taught at the school. They're Christian brothers, and when I was a junior in high school, two of the Christian brothers brought me to St. Mary's, and they said, "This is where you're going to go to school." I said fine <laughs> and it was just kind of laid out for me and i never applied to another school wow. um you know i i came here they we did a tour of the campus and everything and immediately it felt ho- like home and um, i think just because we had always had that christian element to our life that part of it just kind of made it feel more like home it seemed natural mm-hmm.
1: seemed like for both of
0: us a natural progression. Right? Mike and Christine Golick, our guests on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Okay, your kids all end up coming here. Um, I've heard the story numerous times that... You let them make their own decision and everything, but I just want to know: Did you like tell them? But I will drive you out, fly you out to Notre Dame for free if you want to go to Texas. You're gonna pay your own way. Like well, no the the only
1: the <laughs> only non non negotiable was USC. Okay, said so you, you can get anywhere you want, just not USC. It's did not anyone happening. tempt you on that to
0: try to uh, claim they were going no?
1: Gonna... But where we I had the discussion with both of them was when Urban Meyer was coaching at Florida, mm. he brought Mike down for visit mike's junior year and jake was a sophomore and already getting recruited as well so they had jake come down like on an unofficial as well so they were both together so you know they're trying to do the sell to mike you know look at all the trees and the sun here notre <laughs> dame it snows and you know because all the people recruiting mike and jake understood the connection with notre dame and some were very upfront and said listen if your kids are thinking about another place then we'll recruit him if not we don't want to for quote-unquote waste time sure. if they're going to go somewhere else. And, and you know, I told the boys, you, you have nothing guaranteed to you, so you got to look around. But I told them in Florida, I said, listen, just because I went there and your Uncle Greg went there and your Uncle Bob went there and your mom went to St. Mary's and your your aunt went to St. Mary's doesn't mean you guys have to, you know? And, but I, w- I was really serious because in, in all honesty, uh, if they if their goal is and this, this was their goal. It turned out to be their goal to want to be at Notre Dame. If their goal was to play at Nebraska and they got to go into Nebraska, we'd have been ecstatic because they, they reached their goal. You know, we, we decided, Chris and I, when the kids were young, is we're going to do everything we can to put them in position. They have to do the work, but uh, uh, to get to reach their goals and do what they want to do. But Chris did a great job of early on and in really subliminally just having everything around the house. I guess it wasn't really subliminally around the house being Notre Dame so it was ingrained into Notre their Dame skulls.
4: Notre Dame when they went to school, Notre Dame pencils, you know, like, um, I think it was hardest on Sydney though because the two boys had already been recruited and were going to Notre Dame and Sydney was in high school and she was a swimmer and she would get in the car every night after practice, what if they don't want me? What if they don't want me? Because their brothers were giving, her a hard time, you know, like, what if I don't get there? She had no plan B. She said, I'm going to live in your basement and go to the community college if I don't get to go to Notre Dame. So, well, And to your point, I mean, obviously she was an athlete, she was a swimmer, so it
0: comes down to, hey, if You want to be a swimmer and you have the ability to be a swimmer. If they don't want you, then suddenly you do have to look somewhere else, don't you? Right.
4: And she was not prepared for that at all. And there would be times I'd be like, you're fine, you're fine. But I'd be like, oh, my God, what have we done? You know, because (laughs) all her eggs were literally in one basket. But fortunately, we didn't have to deal with that
0: by the way a funny anecdote for you your uh, your son and your daughter-in-law have the same they got married on the same day that my wife and i did yes
4: i, I saw that on uh, this year when you had your anniversary that yeah it was the same as theirs yeah
0: so. so you guys got married here in south Bend. we got married in chicago on the same day we kind of were laughing about
4: that that is pretty wild yeah. that, that's one of chris's
1: regrets so jake got married here mike's not married sydney's not married but Chris was like, "I have no idea why we didn't get married at Notre Dame. Where and, did you guys get end up in Chicago? In, okay. Her, 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 um, her uh, church, her yeah. parish, the, and I left it up to her. Listen, I'm no fool. You know, I just <laughs> yeah. said where I do, do you, want you, where you want me to show up, what day you want me to show up, and what. And I just have to say, I do. You know, so you do everything else, and that's probably one of your biggest <laughs> regrets. <laughs> yeah. So
4: I, I lived vicariously through Jake and Jenny that day because I, I regret not doing it that way, but
1: venue.nd.edu
0: looking for a potential wedding at, uh, at Notre
6: Dame beautiful uh <laughs> luxurious opportunities for there sure. you guys um, have some involvement with the USA football and the uh, educating moms about safety uh, yeah
4: I, I, since about 2012 I've been working with uh, heads-up football and just kind of letting moms know about wh- the changes that have happened to football um, you know there was a lot of negative press about football and things going on with players so it fortunately took took something like that for football to take a good long hard look at what they were doing and changes that they could make that they hadn't made in years and the game in my opinion is a safer better game because of of the negativeness that had you know taken over and uh I think it's a healthy game now. Like that, they're teaching kids to tackle the way they should, letting moms know, you know, the importance of equipment and how it fits, things like that. Um, so, I, you know, we want to keep the game alive. I think it's important for kids to be out and be active, and there's just not enough of that now.
1: I think the shame of it is is some of the the former players, big name players, that are saying I wouldn't play if mm-hmm. I or or I wouldn't let my kid play. I think they're doing that out of a lot of fear, and instead of saying I want it to go away let How can be we a help part of it? The change. Yeah. yeah, be, let's be a make part. It better. Yeah, let, let's. Let's, just... let's do that. And and I think Chris is. Chris talks a lot to the moms mm-hmm. because let's be honest, the moms make the decisions. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, and and she and her, her. I think her best line to them is: make your decision out of knowledge. Don't do it out of fear. Don't read a headline and just be make it be clickbait and say, "Oh my God, look look at this. This scares me, and my kid's not playing." You know, get the knowledge. And then if you still choose not your kid doesn't your play so sure. be it that I, that that's fine but I think that's her best message to the moms is make your decision out of knowledge and I agree with her it is the safe it's the game will never be safe you're going to get hurt. You, sure. you're going to get hurt if you play long Physical enough game. uh yeah. but it's safer with, with coaches that have to be certified. Uh, certified, with practices not as much hitting, with the heads up. The mm-hmm. tackling will be way better when this next group of youth football players get to the NFL. That was Mike
0: and Christine Golick. Notre Dame is back in action next Saturday when they head to San Diego to take on Navy. That'll do it for this week's edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturday's Notre Dame FCU where you bank does matter. Our show also presented today by Orange Theory Fitness and Granger voted the best one hour full body workout. We close our show this morning with a prayer from one of the Irish team chaplains.
3: See you next Saturday. This is Father Mark Theasing, chaplain for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football team. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Go Irish!